this was something that I learned and I'm giving this advice to mothers. There should never be nothing in your life that requires you to completely empty yourself on it if it loves you. Mm. Anything that loves you wants you to have something for you. And if it empties you completely, it's not serving you and it's not pouring back into you. Because you're never supposed to go dehydrated. So I'm asking, why did I lose a relationship and was empty? I was still a being. Or did I forget that? Did I forget that? When I became a mother, did I forget that? So the habits that that I do now was I make sure I'm an individual. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to Love Talk Talk Show. This month on Love Talk, we are just talking about phases of motherhood. Today, we have the beautiful D today on here on Love Talk, who is a motivational speaker and a licensed female and relationship life coach. How you doing today, V? I am awesome. I am excited. I am excited to be here. I am such a big fan. I am such a big fan. Oh my goodness. And I'm such a big fan of you. I have been following you for a long time, not realizing that it was you that I'm following, you know, because you're always so motivational. You you speak the real. You don't just say what people want to hear, but you say the truth. And I just really love that about you. And one thing that I look forward to are your lives. When you go live, I'm like, I got to tune in. She going to say something that I need. So I got to tune in. (laughs) But before we dive into the conversation today, what city and state are you tuning in from? I am 504 to the beach show. I am New Orleans, Louisiana, born and raised. Yes, yes, yes. I love it. And you, like I said, you speak the real. You don't mind using your testimony as a way, your story to help people, empower people, show people that no matter what it is you go through in life, you can overcome. So just tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, well, first and foremost, again, like I said, I was born and raised in New Orleans, Louisiana. I'm mostly a West Bank girl, was born and raised in Algiers, which a lot of people don't know is one of the second oldest cities I mean, second oldest parts of the city. Um, We are the only part of New Orleans that is on the West Bank. Every other part of the West Bank is not New Orleans. And they make sure we understand it. So I got to say, listen, (laughs) we are from New Orleans. I I have two beautiful children, a son who is a Edna Carr grad. He is 19. (laughs) And I have a daughter who is now about to enter her junior year at Edna Carr. So I have two cougars. Um, I am a high school grad of the one and only Lord's Beaconsfield Landry High School that I am super, super proud of. I am a associate's degree holder from Nunez Community College in Applied Science. I am also from IEP Community College, a licensed life coach. I also received a um, refresher uh, BLT Fire Brigade from Louisiana State University. So, you know, it's, it's been a road. <laughs> yes. It's been a road. And I love how you just gave us all your accolades because guess what, B? You earned it. You deserve it. And you have a story as to why it's even more impactful and empowerful and powerful that you just named all of those things. So not only do I want to congratulate yes. you and tell you that you have done and are doing an amazing job, but I also want us to use your journey and your story as a way to help other mothers out there. Because for one, motherhood is hard. Yes. 
And as a mother, I think it's important for other mothers to come together, rally around each other and uplift each other and help us through this journey of motherhood. So let's talk about just like the phases of motherhood a little bit. Because like you said, you do have a, two, two, two beautiful children, a boy and a girl. One that graduated from CAR, one is a junior at CAR, and I graduated in 2012 from CAR. <laughs> but I want to just talk about the journey a little bit because on your live, you mentioned how, you know, it was rough in the beginning. And it, it may still be rough because, you know, it, it's no perfect road. It's no perfect road. But when did uh, motherhood start for you? And how has the transition been from then to now? Motherhood started for me at the age of 17, which was, which was very, very, very impactful on my life because that was my senior year. And I had this talk um, that a lot of people don't understand because I was actually a a tennis player. I played every sport at, at LB Landry and got into my senior year and got pregnant. So to be a sports player from the age of seven and to get all the way to your senior year and now you're pregnant was not only a damper on my family, but it was just a damper on myself because it was so much that I had looked forward to I looked forward to colleges come and see me I looked forward to those things but decisions that I made led me to being pregnant um as a mother and a high school student one of the things that I was determined to do was graduate high school I I know so many so many so many so many who let that that road stop them and I was determined to at least make sure that I completed high school. Um, and at that time, I have to shout out when you had teachers that loved you. You know what I'm saying? Because teachers was not about to let me fall behind because I was on maternity leave. Mm -hmm. Okay? They was not trying to hear none of that. So they was like, look, this is the packet. When you in the hospital, after you push out that kid, I need this, 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 and this. You know, so you had you had a village of teachers that was determining determined to make sure success was still a part of your goal, no matter the setback, you know, but it was a new journey for me because I did complete high school and I actually had my child in time to return to high school and graduate on time. I still graduated in the top 25 of my class and um, I was a new mom. So I think that one of the perks that I would say now was stepping into just becoming a mother and finishing high school compared to maybe having a child in my sophomore year, my junior year and trying to finish school mm -hmm. and be a mom. So I think me having those that 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 finish right around the corner made it a little easier. But the transition was very difficult simply because there's no manuscript on this. Mm. There's no book you know, written for this and choices that you make. And I, and I think it's imperative to also, you know, I tell young ladies this all the time. It's very, very imperative to do your best to be sure as much as you can of the partner that you're having a child with, because that brings much more difficulty because you're not only trying to hold together a, a motherhood, but if you're with that person, you're trying to hold together a fatherhood and a parenthood. Yes. And so you're impacted by the actions many times of the other parent, you know, so trying to juggle parenthood single and parenthood together with a newborn child was very, very, very difficult. It was very, very, very 
knowledgeable later on. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> you know, knowledgeable later on. So looking back on it, what would you tell those teachers that surrounded you and uplifted you and made sure that you continued on with your journey of school? If I had a million dollars, they would be retired. (laughs) You know, you listen, there is information and love that is worth a lifetime. Mm -hmm. And if I could just look at the the Mr. Irvin Andersons of the world, you know, if I could look at Mr. Hungry, rest in peace, rest in peace to him. If I could look at so many other teachers, I would seriously say that I would not think the way I think without you. Hmm. It's not that I wouldn't be where I am. It's, it's I think differently. And my thought process is different because they showed me that in the midst of it, you got to continue on. And if you have the right people behind you, you can continue on. And they made me see that. they they Stopping was not an option. Mm-hmm. It was not an option. They made it unoptionable. And they showed me that in the midst of trials, you cannot let stopping become an option. Yeah. It, it, and I took that with me. So hardship was a little different in my thought process I, as I went on. I love it. Teachers have such impact on the youth on the kids that's why it's so imperative that we have good teachers teachers that are not just there for the money even though you know the money is not really there but are just there for the check you know who are really there to pour and mentor to those kids but speaking of mentorship you're also a licensed female and relationship life coach and one thing that you do is that you pour into the women that's what I see you do pouring into women you know, uplifting women, giving the women the real, showing them what it is. So what led you to want to mentor and support a woman like you do? Brokenness. Mm. Brokenness made me love women on a level that I think only brokenness can teach you. I don't think that there's a book that you can write. I, even when I tell my testimony, words and me speaking it couldn't grasp if you were standing there with me in it and because I know what that feels like mentally spiritually and emotionally and financially I grieve for women my heart breaks for us because the experience that I felt I wouldn't wish it on nobody to experience alone Mm. I wouldn't witness I, I wouldn't dare I don't think that the darkest moments of a woman's life could ever be recorded I don't think there's a a, a book you can write because you still wouldn't scratch the surface of her thought process her darkness at that moment where she was she could try her best to give you the words she could try her best to tell you how she was but if you were there it would make the hairs on the back of your neck stand up yes yes know I know what that's like I know what the thoughts process of thoughts of suicide is like I know what the thought process of thoughts of homicide (laughs) is like so to have that darkness and to have it waking up to you when you go to sleep and you're like hey okay we're gonna try this again the next day and it's like that that darkness sits at your bedside like hey we're back Yep. And you're saying, okay, well, look, I got to put my slippers on and me. You're just going to have to fight today again. <laughs> and that, and that's what your life is. All while, mommy, I'm hungry. Mommy, I need shoes. 
Mommy, I need clothes. You know, so they're coming through the door. Darkness is on this side and your kids is on this side. <laughs> we, I got the chill bone. And I want to talk about something that you said this morning. You said anything you do not deal with will deal with you. And then I went on to look at your, one thing I do, let me just tell you, I do my research. So I was all under your pictures and your comments. And on March 20, 2020, this is what you said. You said many parents can't help their broken children because many parents are broken children themselves. So many parents have so uh, have so much deep undealt with hurt from their childhood that hinders them from seeing the brokenness that they have placed on their own children. B, that was definitely that was deep. So let me ask for you, as a mother, at what point did you realize that you had to fix your brokenness so that you can be the mother that you needed to be for your kids? Um, I believe rock bottom in every area. See, it's one thing to hit rock bottom in a certain place. It's another thing to hit rock bottom in every area. When you feel like you hit rock bottom as a, as a, as a woman, because in order for me to even be a mom, I have to be a woman first. And I felt the lowest class of a woman I think I have ever felt at that moment. I felt alone. I felt abandoned. I felt unstable. I felt spiritually disconnected from God. I, I felt every area of my life nothing was going right. It was like, if I could have one area of my life that made me feel like I was doing a little bit right, but it was like your finances is plummeting and your parenthood is plummeting, your love life is plummeting, plummeting. You ain't gotta, like, what's going on? And what that was for me was no other option. And I think a lot of women, it's unfortunate that we don't realize that strength until we get there. Meaning when up is the only option left because you are literally sitting on the ground of life at this point. So either you're going to get comfortable there or you're going to go up because there's nowhere else to go. Man. So let me ask you, for a mother that may be at rock bottom or feeling as though, as though she's broken, what is some advice or some encouragement that you can offer to that mother at this moment? The first encouragement I would say is you're still here. That would be the first encouragement. I think that we look at rock bottom that we don't see that we're still here in rock bottom, meaning you still have something left. There was a uh, pastor Jamal Bryant. I watched him one day and he gave a, they gave a great analogy that I love to use. He talked about a tube of toothpaste and he said a tube of toothpaste can be thin. It can be worn out. It can look like it's so empty, but if you roll it up from the bottom, you will realize there's actually more toothpaste in the tube you just didn't know because of how you feel. And I had to sit back and look like, you're still here. No matter what's going on, as long as you can, you that's the opportunity to make this change. So now I had to ask myself, where can I pull it from? Because see, it's one thing to ask yourself to get up, but from where? As Martin Luther King would say, to ask a bootless man to pull himself up by the bootstraps, is, is, you know, kind of like a slap in the face. But I think that's where the invisibility of your bootstraps have to come in, where I have bootstraps by faith. Mm. If you do not have faith, you are, you because faith is when you don't see nothing and you're getting up on nothing but faith. So when you're looking for something to step on, there is an invisible footstool of faith that will, that has to kick in 
I had a moment where being transparent, I was looking in the mirror and I felt everything flashing before my eyes, my, my, my bills, my life. And I, and I watched as I felt everything reminding me on what was against me. Mm-hmm. And I watched the tears come down my eyes, but I stood there and my son, who's now 19, came and said, mom, I'm hungry. I'm never going to forget this. And I went into the kitchen. I think I had maybe this much of milk left and some cereal or something. And it bothered me that that's all I had, but I was able to feed him. Mm. And I don't know what that did to me because it was no matter what was going on, no matter how little I had, I had enough to accomplish the goal. Mm. I had enough to accomplish the goal. And so I was like, I got enough to accomplish the goal. I may have all this against me and I may have a little bit of milk, but I have enough to accomplish the goal. And I got up every day living saying, I just need enough to accomplish the goal. Mm. Just enough. And and that, go ahead, I'm sorry. I got chill bumps. (laughs) (laughs) It was such a, an epiphany of what I did have because what you don't have will make you blinded to what you do have. And I had a moment, but what were the odds of him coming and ask me for something to eat at the moment where everything was showing me what I didn't have? It was so timely. It was so, you know, and I know that now it be God will send me stuff in things that we look at as regular life every single day. A car can pass. And a person be like, oh, that's a car that passed down the street. But God has sent me a whole message <laughs> in, in that instant. And it's, and it's evolved greatly throughout the years. I actually did a lot this morning about a butterfly. Um, I was sitting on my porch and I saw a butterfly. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's like out of all the insects, why did I catch the eye of the butterfly? And my brain just went to unlock it. And I'm like, and God was like, there's more caterpillars than butterflies. Mm-hmm. Why is that? And, I, and he is like, who's not turning into their full potential? Who's not, who's not turning into their full potential? Because if we have millions of caterpillars, we should have millions of butterflies, which means somewhere, somebody did not go through the process to become what they were supposed to become. And and this happens to me so much that is not even abnormal to my family now. They like, she's thinking her brain's going. <laughs> oh my goodness, B, I have chill bumps. And I wanna talk more about what you talked about this morning. You say you just talked about the butterfly, but I also hopped on the live. I think I caught it towards the end and you were talking about um, riding on, being too comfortable riding on Eve. Yes. Too comfortable riding on Eve. Talk to the people about being too comfortable riding on Eve. Man, it was so crazy. I literally got in the car and, and the gas light came on. And one thing I don't like is being that low on gas, but it didn't bother me. And that was like the epiphany again. God was like, why don't it bother you? Why is that not bothering you? Why is it not bothering you? that your gaslight is on. And it was like, because you've done this too many times. But you find a comfort in being close. 
And he showed me, remember how I just told you with the milk and the cereal? He told me I have enough, but he never told me to get comfortable in having just enough. Mm. It's two different processes. God gave me just enough to get by, but he never told me he wanted me to stay there. And when you make that a habit of your life, you become a person who's just getting by. And that gaslight this morning showed me that. And he showed me that if you didn't have what you needed, you know how to get by. But you have what you need to refuel, but yet you didn't. Mm. So you are now being identified in your comfort level. And it was uncomfortable for me to even have to tell myself that because it was a reminder for me stop, refuel, take time, put some gasoline in your tank, give your spirit some hydration. And one thing that I did with that, I do with that is I can fight another woman. Mm -hmm. I don't care what y'all saying about how y'all don't need, girl, you need a girlfriend. Yes. You need a spiritually sound, solid as a rock, unwavering honest because they love you girlfriend i agree you know they are not only they are imperative to me because it's it's a vulnerable space for truth out of love to grow and i so i stay connected to i stay connected to my my right hand i stay connected to her as much as possible Uh, another strategy is i feed my brain Mm. you come in my house I got books everywhere I started feeding my brain I when I have to refuel I have to watch what I listen to I have to watch what I watch on tv I even had to go on the block and be on social media it wasn't nothing personal but when I log on I can't see this kind of content I can't see this kind of, that I can't I can't feed that into my spirit. I'm a refueling station now. When I go to pour into people, yes, I'm going to go into the uncomfortable places. But when it's time for me to refuel myself, I got to go into places that's plentiful and plenishing me. And I had to learn that. And so it was to me a reminder. Honestly, this morning was a reminder that you got too comfortable. The minute you saw that gaslight on. You not only let yourself get there, watch this, you let yourself get there, which means you watched yourself go from full all the way down. And you wait now till the gaslight is on. When you had opportunities at the half point mark, the quarter point mark to stop and you didn't stop. So what, what he showed me was this was your final warning before you run out of gas. Mm. That was the it was like you had warnings that you were getting low but this is the last warning before you before you completely cut off how critical and one thing you said is fix the problem when it's small before you have to deal with the problem when it gets bigger yes 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 i had a bad habit of that i had a bad habit of okay i'm gonna deal with this later okay i'm gonna deal with this later i um I went, I had, I've been through a divorce, Mm -hmm. going through a divorce with kids and turning around, trying to come out of college. And now I'm saying, Hey, I want to buy a home. I want to do this. All those bills, all that stuff that was on my credit, all those traffic tickets, 
that was just a little bit of traffic ticket, hey, they waiting on you. But now it's not a $25 seatbelt ticket. It's a $25 seatbelt ticket with $150 contempt charge because you didn't show up. It is because you didn't go in here and talk to the judge. So now you got to put out more to get out the situation you're in because when it was little, you didn't have that. Mm. You put yourself in more trouble. And I think we think sometimes things will disappear. They don't. They don't. They are waiting for you to deal with them. And, and to be honest with you, whether you deal with them in front of your journey or at the end of your journey, wherever you're trying to go, it's going to be in that line. It's going to be on that walk. And I take that with me. I take that with me now inside of my relationship, inside of my friendships. Call me confrontational B. Hey, I'll take that. But you're not going to wonder if we have a problem. You're going to know because we're about to talk about this. We're not going to wait till we stop speaking and um i see you at a party and it feels shady and all that before i say hey we need to talk we mm -hmm. we're not doing that we're not about to wait till it's two three months later and i put up a post and you thought it was about you and all of that we're not doing that because that puts you on a fire that could have been extinguished a long time ago yes yes and i and i i, I think a lot of friendships a lot of relationships a lot of misunderstandings could be cleared up with one conversation in the beginning. And in I, the beginning. I totally agree with you. And that's something personally, personally that I'm working on because I don't like quote unquote confrontation, but it's not confrontation, it's communication. If you really communication. Communication. And I want us to kind of backtrack a little bit to the uh -huh. Yes, take the, 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 the full and the empty. Let's talk to the mothers right quick, because as a mother, we play a lot of roles. We're a mother. A lot of us are um, partners, wives, and we work. And, you know, we just have a lot of roles on us. So for the mothers whose gas tank is slowly going down, there's something that you can tell them so that they can begin to start feeling themselves again. The first thing I would tell you is you are you before you're anything else. I did a conference one time and I told everybody to write their list of hats that they wear. I gave them a piece of paper and a pen, which means write if you're a mother or sister and you will be surprised at how many hats we wear. We're mothers, we're sisters, we're best friends, we're coworkers, we're wives, we're daughters. But individual was never a hat. It was never a hat. And I think we're subconsciously not realizing that. So what I would advise to women is no matter what hat you have on, you have to maintain, not just have, but maintain a piece of your individuality. Mm. There has to be a moment of selfishness for you because the individual you are gives you ability, the ability to be the hat that you wear. I, I can't not be a, me and then be a mother to you. So I always stop. There are times when my kids not going to get an answer. They not. <laughs> Today, I'm not mama. Today, I am Bridget with no kids who's looking for a trip to the Bahamas. Okay. <laughs> That's me today. I, I, um, I came to that realization I ran away from home one day and my kids were, 
you know, some people have trouble with their kids where they are doing a lot of things. I'm not having those problems, but I'm having teenage problems, you know? So I'm still going in there, wiping the pot and saying, this is still greasy. How many times I got to tell you that my, my pot is not washed correctly? Why is this on the floor? Why is that on the floor? Why are you still on the phone after a certain time when you know your curfew is this? I'm still dealing with that. And I got so tired of the back and forth with my kids and this and that. I got in my car and I drove till, funny, I ran out of gas. <laughs> I drove until I ran out of gas. And guess what? I ended up in Tallahassee, Florida. True story. I can send you the pictures. I ended up in Tallahassee, Florida. I sat in a, got checked into a hotel room and my kids were calling me, calling me, calling me and I would not answer. I would not answer. My sister, they call my sister, my sister calling me and I'm like, I can't do this no more. I can't take this no more. And my sister came to my house and y'all driving my sister crazy. <laughs> she ran away and I was like, where did I lose me? I didn't even know. And that was such a moment for me because have you ever heard this saying, if a woman goes through a breakup, they'll say, take this time to find yourself. Uh -huh. But they never ask, where did you lose yourself? Hmm. My question is, there should, this was something that I've learned and I've given this to advice to mothers. There should never be nothing in your life that requires you to completely empty yourself on it if it loves you. Mm. Anything that loves you wants you to have something for you. And if empties you completely, it's not serving you and it's not pouring back into you because you're never supposed to go dehydrated. So I'm asking, why did I lose a relationship and was empty? I was still a being or did I forget that? Wow. Did I forget that? When I became a mother, did I forget that? So the habits that I, that I do now was I make sure I'm an individual. See these nails? These nails are getting done. Yes. Okay. Yes. I am going to the nail shop. Don't call me. Don't text me. Don't bother me. I am going to get a deluxe pedicure. I am going to get the strawberries. I am definitely going to get the wine. And I don't want to talk to nobody. Okay. <laughs> I write down things about myself that I need to improve. And I make it a goal monthly. So one thing that I struggled with, and every woman has their own story, is I couldn't read like I should have. I graduated high school reading at about a 10th grade, 11th grade level. But because I got through life being able to still flourish without improving it, I never worked on it. Mm -hmm. And when I went to self-identify, I said, okay, in order to pour into myself so I can feel better for me, I need to do things that better me. Not as a mom, not as a girlfriend, not as a wife, as a person. And so I said a book a month, a book a month. That became a goal. I began, I got um, a financial advisor. I was working. I always worked. I all believe in work, but I just couldn't get my head above water. I could not save. I could not. And I'm like, what am I doing wrong? I'm about to go get somebody and put them in my business. 
I got to get somebody and let them in my business so they can help me manage my business. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So I went and got me a financial advisor and I'm like, look, this is what I make. These are my bills. And this person said and showed me that I had a $400 gap that I couldn't account for. And I'm like, okay, so this is your bills and this is your net pay, not gross. This is your net pay. And when you subtracted it, I had a $400 surplus and it was like, well, where is it? And I'm standing there like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You know, she even said, okay, let's, let's subtract your nails. Let's subtract your hair. Let's the, I still had about 300 <laughs> that I still was like, you know? And so I said, okay, they gave me the tools. They say, this are the tools you need. And I went home, I got a vision board. They got boards all over my house. I got a vision board and I had to make a personalized vision board about finances. If you look on my page, I don't spend $5 bills anymore. I saw that. I saw that. that. (laughs) These were things that made me proud of me. So to any woman, any mother, I say, you got to get you, if start off small, Start off even with two or three things that will make you proud of you. Was it a knitting class that you wanted to do when you was in high school? Did you want to learn how to draw? Did you want to learn how to paint? You not have, not should, you need to do that. You need to have something to make you proud of you for your individuality. And I learned that because it's something no one can take from me. So when my children frustrated me or when I, my son now doesn't live with me, he lives with his dad. When they go into their own life, when I went through my divorce, I had something for myself. I had a craft. I had a hobby. I had a goal. I had something that made me an individual outside of the things that we as women say make us who we are. I needed that. Yes. And I think that is so needed because a lot, a lot of us are lost don't you know we we just we just let ourselves go we don't know who we are we like it's all about the kids it's all about our husband and then the kids are grown and gone our husband or boyfriend likes to do and we sitting there miserable and stuck like well what I, what do i like i i, I poured into and no i feel nobody's pouring into me so now i'm just like angry and mad and yeah, yeah. How, how do you get to go do all of this and having us you know so I think that's very important that we make sure that we support ourselves on a daily basis so I really love that you did that and we're just gonna wrap things up here I want to thank you so much for coming here on love talk and one thing that I ask all of my guests what is the philosophy that you live on don't let anything you go through be a waste of time get something out of everything you go through there will not be a tear I shed that's wasted. There will not be a back, a, a broken friendship that is wasted. There will not be a scraped knee. There will not be a failure that is wasted. I am going to get something out of everything I experience. Every hurt that I've been through, I'm gonna sit back and say, okay, what did I learn from this? What can I grow from this? What can I do better so the next time that I'm faced with this? I can do this better. I can do that better. I'm the only one that can control me. I can't control nobody else. So what happened where I can take something out of this before I throw the trash away? So y'all have a good night and remember to believe in yourself.